We're going to be jumping into a new series. Uh, this series is based off of a book uh, by Brian Zand, and um, the series is called What to Do on the Worst Day of Your Life. This has been a, a, a series I think has really spoken to people. It's spoken to my heart, and so we're going to jump into that together. So what do you do on the worst day of your life? We're going to be looking at a story centered on King David from the Old Testament. We're going to be in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30. We're going to be starting in verse 1. But uh, just to set this up, King David uh, wasn't always king. Um, in fact, um, this, his story started about 3,000 years ago, but he started as a young man in Bethlehem. He's probably around 15 years old. He was anointed king. He wasn't coronated king. He was anointed. And then in his story, his life, he uh, slayed a giant. Uh, caught the king's attention, became a general in the king's army, and became so successful that King Saul became jealous of David, outlawed him. And David ended up um, having a band of about 600 men who protected the realm, but they were also on the run from King Saul. Um, and in the middle of this, they settled in the town called Ziklag. That's where David and his men settled when he was on the run. And uh, all their families were located in the town of Ziklag. And and this was about 3,000 years ago, probably around uh, 10, 12 BC. Um, and this was the worst day of David's life that we're going to look at, the worst day of his life. Now, as we read this story, I just want to say I've, I've heard that uh, nine months from now we could see a baby boom. And as we read this story, there's going to be some great names that you can pick up out of this. Uh, so I just wanted to say that. Starting in verse 1. Three days later, when David and his men arrived home at their town of Ziklag. Now, Ziklag um, is a great name for a town. Ziklag represented in David's life the place between. It's the, the place of becoming. It's, it's between when he was anointed as king, as a young man of about 15, and when he was coronated as king, as, a, as an adult man. And... Uh, in Ziklag, continuing the story, they found that the Amalekites had made a raid into the Negev and Ziklag. They had crushed Ziklag, burned it to the ground, and they had carried off the women and the children and everyone else, but without killing anyone. This is the worst day in David's life. Um, the town of Ziklag came to represent his moment in his life where he lost everything. His friend, the men that had served with him, that had fought for him, they all lost everything. They had financial ruin. They lost their homes. They lost their um, families. They lost their community. They lost their dreams for the future. In that moment, everything they thought was over. They didn't know if anything they'd had existed anymore. And their town was burned to the ground. They came to their town and it was in ashes. You can just imagine the feeling of seeing the smoke rising. And in the, for us who are studying this passage, I think we all have moments in our life that are like ziklag moments. It's the moment where we realize the loss. We realize all of a sudden we see the, the smoke from the ruins. We realize the finances, the community, the home, the dream that we had is all of a sudden changed. It's gone. And we realize that this is the worst day or the worst uh, week or the worst season of our life. So what do we do when we're in Ziklag? What do we do on the worst day of our lives? And if we continue in verse 3, we're going to look at how David handled the worst day of his life. 
When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. David's two wives, uh, Ahinoam from Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal from Carmel, were among those captured. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning him. But David found strength in the Lord his God. I want to focus on what David did. Read this again in 1 Samuel 30, verse 3. When David and his men saw the ruins and realized what had happened to their families, they wept until they could weep no more. These men, these warriors, come home and they've lost everything. And their first reaction isn't just to get angry and go do something. They don't overreact. They weep. And I think that's the first lesson we can learn from David and how to deal with the worst day. It's weep and grieve the loss. Weep and grieve the loss. Not pretending that everything's fine. We have to recognize the loss. Um, this story teaches us we, we can't just pretend, we can't just ignore, we can't just deny, not just sweep it under the, the, the carpet. And right now, with what we are going through as a nation, with our families, with our hearts, with our dreams, with our communities, uh, with our businesses, with our work, our finances, there, there has to be a recognition of the loss. We have to give permission to each other and to ourselves to weep and grieve the loss. We live in a, in a time where people often don't know how to grieve. I remember um, my mom and dad telling us the story when they first got married. Um, if something bad happened, there was a ziklak moment um, for my mom or my dad. My dad would just get angry. And that, those were the tools you have. I just get angry and I express that in anger. And one time my mom was just like, I know you're angry right now, but, but is it because you're sad? And I, I, my dad just looked up at her and said, you know what? I think it's because I just feel like crying. And she was like, well, it's okay to grieve. And some of us have to learn how to grieve. I remember another friend uh, who had a son that she was losing to addiction. And at the same time, I had another friend who had, who had actually lost his son to addiction. And I connected them together just to, just to talk together. And when they got together, they sat down. There were no words. Like as they're trying to get a word out, they just started crying. They just grieved the loss together and the worry together. I want to encourage you to make sure to recognize the loss. I want us to know that the Bible teaches us this. In, this, in stories where people are learning to live life with God, Abraham wept for Sarah's death. He's an Old Testament character. Joseph, another Old Testament character, wept when his brothers had betrayed him and he um, met them after the betrayal, he wept. Hezekiah, who's a king in the Old Testament, wept when he got the terrible news about his, his health. And uh, Peter wept when he betrayed or after he betrayed Jesus. Paul, a writer of uh, over a third of the New Testament, wept when he went through his, tri his trials. Jesus wept. And Jesus is our ultimate model and lens for life, and he wept when he experienced loss. If you're angry and you're feeling like you're becoming bitter, maybe it's just simply that you haven't grieved the loss in your life right now. Second lesson for us comes in this verse, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6. 
David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk about stoning him. Um, the second step that we learn here is don't become bitter. The men all of a sudden want a scapegoat. They want to uh, blame someone, hurt someone because of their sense of loss. And when if we don't grieve pro- properly, we will start to take out our anger on other people and we will become bitter. Um, so watch out. Bitterness is poison. Hebrews uh, verse 12 says this, watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you corrupting many. Bitterness becomes like poison. It becomes poison for you and poison for others. And and we don't want to recycle bitterness. Uh, we want to retire bitterness. So when you're looking at your life and you're looking at your situation right now, how can you prevent yourself from going down that path of bitterness, letting roots of bitterness grow up into your life? Uh, we become what we focus on. We follow where we are focused. If that's true, if we're focused on what's wrong, we're focused on our anger, we're focused on the things that we don't have control over, bitterness will begin to take over. I remember we were on vacation one time, and while on vacation, I had just pulled some of life with me into the vacation that I was bugged about. I was just bugged. And I was a little bit bitter. I was struggling with some bitterness. And uh, it was just following us everywhere on the vacation, just a little bit in my attitude. And, um, and I knew it was there a little bit, but I didn't realize how much it was affecting my family. And at one point, my wife just said, hey, your bitterness, your frustration is affecting everyone right now. Could you please just let that go? And um, I was like, well, that makes me bitter. That bugs me that you would say that. No, I, I, I all of a sudden realized how it impacted them and I just had to like let it go and decide I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be bitter. And we're either getting bitter or we're getting better. And when I let that go, everything, just the mood changed. It was like light was let into that, into the house and it was so good. Um, I love this verse, Psalm 30, verse five. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes with the morning. Weeping. Might last. There might be a time where, like, you're 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 weeping, and it and it, it lead, it's leading toward bitterness if we just stay there. But we have to remember, joy comes with the morning. That we have to begin to pursue joy. We have to begin to lift ourselves out of the fog. We do grieve, we do weep, but then we we know that there's hope. And I I, I see the lesson here. The third point, the third lesson we can learn is this: Samuel thirty verse six. But David found strength in the Lord his God. The King James Version uh, has a really good translation of this, and it says, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. And that's the third point. We have to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. There are moments and times where, yes, we want to be encouraged and lifted up by other people. But at the end of the day, you have to make the choice whether you will choose joy and hope and love, whether you will allow yourself to be encouraged. And there are moments where no one else can encourage you. There will be seasons or there'll be little moments where you have to turn to God rather than looking out and being bitter, looking up to him and encourage yourself in the Lord. Well, what does that look like? How do we do that? Um, David actually wrote what are called psalms. These are prayers and songs to the Lord. He was a musician, and he was an amazing expressor of emotion. And he wrote um, a few psalms about moments like this, about the Ziklag moment, the worst day of our life. And here's one of them that I think is really powerful. This is Psalm 42, starting in verse 11. 
David wrote, why am I so discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? Any of you going through that right now? I will put my hope in God, not myself, not my army, not in the things that I think will give me hope, but I'm going to put my hope in God, the eternal, ever good God. I will praise him again, my savior and my God. I just, I love that. That teaches us to look up. This is how we begin to encourage ourselves in the Lord is to look up, begin praising God, focusing on his goodness. Here's another Psalm that he wrote that, that is extremely helpful. This is Psalm uh, 34. He, David says this, I will praise the Lord at all times, not just in the good times, not just in the mediocre times, but even in Ziklag, the worst day of our lives, the worst, worst season of our life. I will praise the Lord at all times. I will constantly speak his praises. Are you able to constantly speak of the praises of God even in the lowest moments? I will boast only in the Lord that all who are helpless take heart. I love that. Let all who are helpless take heart. If you're feeling helpless and hopeless, take heart because there's a God who sees you, cares about you, and he is there. He is with you in this moment. Come, let us tell of all the Lord's greatness to speak of the Lord's greatness in the past and in our present. And as we look toward the future, let us exalt or lift up his name together. I prayed to the Lord and he answered me. God is an answering God. He freed me from all my fears. How many of you need freedom from some fears right now? Ask him, focus on the Lord, praise him. And I love this last sentence. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. Right now, people need you. Your family needs you. Your neighborhood needs you. Even in social uh, distancing right now, they need you to be radiant with joy the best you can. And you need your husband, your wife, your kids, your family, your, your people that you are in contact with to be radiant with joy. So friends, let's be radiant with joy. And the way we radiate God's joy is looking to the radiance of God. Amen? I hope you said amen out there. Now, I love this verse, Nehemiah 8 reminds us as well. This is, again, how do we encourage ourselves in the Lord? Don't be dejected and sad. Don't stay here. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Here are some of the benefits of joy versus bitterness. Choosing to get better rather than remain bitter. First thing is it quickens your recovery. It helps you recover emotionally, spiritually, sometimes even physically. It helps you um, stay healthy. It quickens your recovery. It quickens other people's recovery. You're able to help your family and friends. As you recover and you take joy and you radiate joy rather than bitterness, you'll help other people uh, recover on their worst days of their life. Instead of recycling your pain and bitterness, you can extinguish it. I mean, that's really what Jesus did on the cross. He absorbed all our pain and all our suffering. And, and instead of uh, recycling it, he extinguished it. He retired the bitterness and the, and the pain and the suffering on the cross. And we can't be Jesus, but we can be like Jesus. And so we need to choose not to recycle our pain and bitterness, but to retire it. Last thing is move forward to something better. You're able to move forward to something better if you're not remaining bitter because you can look toward the future with hope again. You're not processing this correctly, was what the doctors told my friend Pat uh, when they delivered the news that he had terminal cancer and they had tried all kinds of treatments, none of it had worked, his body hadn't responded. And um, they just said, you're not processing this correctly. 
because you're not you're not freaking out. You're like you're you're facing imminent death. They said to him, and and we're worried you're just in shock. And um, my friend Pat, who is a counselor, just kind of looked like looked back at them. He said, "Well, what kind of therapy would you recommend to reframe my uh, my mental state to reframe uh, my imminent death?" And they just kind of looked at him. He's like, "For me, he's like, I'm thinking about." Um, the grieving the loss of my f- my family and the the loss they'll have. Some other man's going to be taking my kids uh, as a new stepdad camping. A new stepdad's going to be uh, raising their, my kids if I'm really going to be dead. Uh, someone else is probably going to remarry my wife. I'm thinking about the ramifications. I'm grieving that right now. He said to them, I've got an idea, a reframe for you. Um, how about you reframe two idiots trying to tell me, an old man, uh, that my death just isn't that, isn't that bad. It's only imminent. And my friend ended up he, grieving with his family. He wouldn't get bitter. And he encouraged himself in the Lord. He reached out to his friends. People prayed for him. He was one of the most godly examples of someone um, walking through the worst day of their life, the worst season of their life. And it was amazing. God ended up miraculously healing him. Uh, and doctors, no one expected it. Uh, a, new, a new experimental treatment healed them completely. And that doesn't happen for everybody. But Pat was one of the first guys to teach me, you follow what you focus on. You become what you worship. And he, rather than getting bitter, he made sure to grieve not get bitter, and encouraged himself in the Lord. Maybe there's someone out there t- today. You need to grieve and weep rather than get bitter. And you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. Maybe all three. I want to encourage you to do that today. Guys, I love you so much.